Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we smurf up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh smurf of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dory. And audio engineering smurf. <laughs> audio. <laughs> uh. Does anyone get a verbing smurf as opposed to an adjectiving smurf name? Ooh. There's financier smurf. Is that right? I guess I did just read a... But that's still a noun. <laughs> I don't understand how English Financier is a noun. <laughs> Financing Smurf would be a verb. I just read one Smurf story to get prepared for this, and it was um, the Smurf Reporter. But that character is never referred to as a something Smurf name, or even really huh. directly referred to by name, I feel like. They're uh-huh. assigned the job at the start of the story, and I guess before that they were just blank Smurf. And the reporter is their occupation. Okay, so I suppose I'm complaining smurf. <laughs> That's also not an adjective. I, I, we were talking about verbs. Wait, they're not all adjectives. It's like harmony smurf, which is a noun. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. She's not, like, they're not, he's not, whatever. It's harmonizing <laughs> smurf. It's a smurf. <laughs> I, I forgot for a second that they're all supposed to be boy smurfs except for smurfette, who doesn't even get an adjective. Well, rather a suffix. You should understand that being male is the default mode of existence, Tori, and that if you're female, you're probably created by some evil magic spell. And if you're neither of those uh, Don't talk crazy now. Uh. Now, I, I know we're going to be stumbling around a little bit in our, um, you know, Smurfs knowledge, but I saw Cartoon All-Stars The Rescue more than once as a kid, so I think I know where we're coming from here. Okay. They live in a comic book, and mm-hmm. they hate drug use. That sounds... Wait, what about the mushrooms? What mushrooms? They live in mushrooms. M- mushrooms and? are probably drugs also, so I think they'd be opposed. They live on Smurf berries, whatever those are. Huh. Well, we know now. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a kind of berry that are delicious. Well, because yeah, everything sure. is called Smurf. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very Smurfy. So, we are reading a piece of Smurf's fanfiction today. Mm-hmm. Or rather, we already read it, and now we're talking about it. Right, so we were all very responsible and read this days in advance and not earlier today. Definitely. I mean, I did. I yeah, mean, I, I did. Okay. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Is there someone here who's not responsible? Irresponsible Smurf. Mm. <laughs> I'm kind of Always impressed. Always forget about her. I mean him. It. Them. It. <laughs> Smurf. <laughs> Smurf selves. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised having just read a little bit of comics. Lazy Smurf does not seem to be particularly upset by the fact that they're defined by a, you know, pejorative description. Yeah. Like, they seem fine with it. Speaking of which, since you use they pronouns for that Smurf, I always feel like I'm inclined to use they pronouns for every Smurf until I remember also every Smurf is the thing that they say <laughs> is like one word. It's like every pony, yeah. 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 <laughs> However, then there's the issue of Smurfette, who actually does not appear in this fanfiction. Oh, she does. does she? She's one of those who joins, um, you know, on the expedition. She doesn't do anything, but oh, neither, well, neither does Hefty. Was, like, yeah. And Hefty's there, too. Yeah, Smurfette okay. is an artificial Never creation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. And it's interesting because this fanfiction goes on to explore kind of Smurf origin. Should we think that they're pretty non-binary in general like their creation doesn't seem to be 
created like smurfette people have always had these lewd theories on her purpose but of course she is created by gargamel and Smurf, so uh, yeah no way do smurfs engage in sexual reproduction exactly like, yeah, I, I yeah. think i think canon is they're born mysteriously when the moon is blue period the end which mm-hmm. is why there's a lot of space here for the author kind of flesh things out a bit i did poke around the smurfs wiki a little bit and the only thing i found about smurf origin uh, origin of a particular smurf is the stork brings him and that's yeah. the only explanation they have that's where yeah. baby smurf comes from apparently like I in think the series they really have sexuality and from that assumption i can assume that they really have no reason to develop an ideology of gender yeah yeah i mean that would make sense it's just the default cartoon thing you know in the 1980s or whatever like when were the comics 60s 70s i don't even know the cartoon was 60s yeah this cartoon was cartoon can by cartoon you mean like the the french albums um original comic book 1958 okay smurfs and the magic flute fair enough actually earlier than i thought it was i thought it was in the 70s there's also a 1961 tv show Really? I'm on, the, I'm on the wiki. Oh, hey, okay, I, <laughs> I'm finding out all kinds of things. Yeah. Apparently there's also a 2011 movie, because that's the thing I got when I Googled Smurfs. Yeah, with NPH. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> I think that's well, appropriate reaction to that. Before we reveal more of our Smurfy ignorance or delve directly into the fanfic, do you two have any kind of background with Smurfs to speak of? Um, I was learning French a few months ago, and I grabbed a whole bunch of... Um, French language comic books. So I looked at a Smurf comic book at one point. I've read some not not unrecently. Um, I think there was one like the free comic book day that we picked up for my kid. And I think we I've checked one or two out from the library the last couple of years just because they were there. And like I like French Belgian comics. Yeah. And, you know, they're pretty fun. I watched the TV show all the time as a kid. It you know, was regularly on. I know I must have watched the TV show, but I have no memory of anything specific from it. I, I mostly remember the opening scene where they're like running from Gargamel and I spe- is, is that every scene? That's the um, <laughs> no the that's the opening um, you know the opening opening credits, the show sure. kind of yeah. When we were but, kids, yeah. was that on network TV? Yeah, it was. Um, I don't remember which, but I remember watching it. I was probably pretty young. I can't remember for life of me any of the plots except they were fairly simple and episodic and Gargamel was the villain. Because I feel like if it was, I would have seen it at some point. Yeah. I was watching Perry Mason for crying out loud. I was hungry for any sort of entertainment. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how to look that up. I mean, God, I was so young, I don't even know what television network it was on or what access I had to it. But it was on the TV that I had in my house. When it's I okay. Was like five. Yeah. Suffice it to say, we all kind of have some Smurfs knowledge from being tiny and or cultural osmosis. Um, I feel like enough to read this, right? Mm-hmm. And you may be asking why we're reading a Smurfs fanfic in particular, and the specific reason is once again we've used I've used this three times in the past. Hiru's random live journal post from 2009. This is my favorite person who randomly wrote a list of things on the internet. <laughs> Hiru who wrote a list of 20 good fanfics. And what drew me to this as a resource when I started doing research for this podcast was that it's mostly older stuff, and it's extremely cross-fandom. I mean, the author sticks to a few things like Sailor Moon and, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Harry Potter. But then, you know, it's like, oh, and this He-Man Master of the Universe fanfic and this Smurfs and this, you know, random other things. And their taste in Sailor Moon fanfics is what sold me on us having similar tastes. So... 
pretty much everything here is a potential read. Do you still have a link to that post? Or? It is bit.ly slash rfr good. Their description of this basically describes Smurf fandom as being a small pond, but this author, uh, Rowena, I guess, I guess Zonre, Rowena, and the quote here specifically about this story is, Brainy's Glasses is probably the best of her Smurf stories, although her two It's a Wonderful Life parodies come close, and actually provides some plausible background story for the Smurfs. Why baby Smurfs seems to have magical abilities when none of the others do, and even some hints of why all Smurfs are named for adjectives. The dialogue is good, the writing style is easy to read, and the tone is light and overall interesting. I think those are fair comments. But in leading up to this podcast, I got in touch with the author, and they very graciously answered some questions and gave some background. The first thing is, they wrote this summer after sixth grade, so they would have been like 12? Yeah. Is that like around thereabouts? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. I I was not capable of writing a story that was shaped like a story at age 12. Yeah, I agree. I wrote long wordy things with insane descriptions, but nothing that had this cohesive and well-paced of a plot. I think I was looking forward to the Y2K problem. <laughs> <laughs> to save you from having to write anything more, you mean? Oh, just looking forward to the future collapse of a uh, human society. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, when I was 12, 12, Y2K <laughs> had just passed, so I was actually just reveling in the, <laughs> the newness of the world now that I knew I wasn't going to die from computers. I never did much writing as a kid, but I have a cousin who, when she was younger, wrote a bunch of fanfic, mostly warriors. And I think I remember reading what she wrote around that age, and it was not this good. It was kind of what you're describing, Tori, of like, I have all these things I want to say, and I'm not pacing myself, and it goes on, <laughs> and now I guess the chapter's over. Yeah. Like, I, that kind of writing. I might be kind of unique, but, like, I very much focused on description, and my teachers thought my descriptive abilities were incredible, but I would get lost in just describing one particular element or scene and could never bring myself to like wrap it around to any sort of conclusion, any sort of proper plot pacing. That's what really impresses me about this story is it's extremely well paced. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing about the background here is that apparently um, the author started writing Smurf stories in elementary school and would write them as gifts for other family members and like print them out on, like, little scrolls and tie them up, like, magic scrolls, and that's amazing. So cute. <laughs> Apparently was pretty into Smurfs as a kid. Mm. And then she also described part of her relationship with her brother in, like, watching shows and such, which, Tori, you said kind of reminded you of your relationship with your brother. Yeah, I mean, we were pretty similar to what this author describes, which is essentially, like, picking apart every component of a series mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, like, why this would happen, why this would happen... And it's hilarious to me that the author was focused on Smurfs for this, because as I recall, Smurfs didn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, that's what makes it fruitful ground, right? It does. And I think I must have been a little bit too young to start picking apart that. By the time I'd moved on to picking things apart, I was a little older. And So what did you and your brother kind of try to expose the inner workings of? Oh, man. You know... I think we well, there were definitely like series where we'd want to know more about um, the plots, but a lot of times those are already really well developed plots. Like we thought a lot about gargoyles mm. um, because there are actually are like a certain number of plot holes in that as you move through, especially towards the third season. And like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there are a lot of things we wanted to dig up in that. I mean, it's really hard to remember. I'm surprised this author remembers like everything about how they wrote this story. It must have meant a lot to them. Yeah. Well, they did say that generally 
these stories were written for other people, but this one was written for themselves, and also to settle a bet, I guess. <laughs> Competition. Competition. Yeah. Uh, the author and her brother had deferring theories as to how the Smurf village came about. The brother's theory was apparently that there were great Smurf wars and these were the only survivors huddled <laughs> together for protection. And Rowena's theory was that it's more of a social experiment on the part of Papa Smurf, which would help explain why he's the only older, wiser, more experienced one in a village of like a hundred other Smurfs. Right, yeah. And the, I like how... The way they were going to settle that was, hey, write it up in a story. And whoever finishes their story first wins. Not even, like, judged by an external source, but, like, just if you can actually, you know, work with this theory and finish a story out of it, then you can claim victory. <laughs> Which is a very generous terms of victory because, well, just as somebody who plays games, I just think, well, you just write, my, this is the theory at the end. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I guess they went into it with good faith because yeah. she says that her brother started strong and kind of crapped out and she carried it through and kind of worked on it all summer and it shows proud of the result. Yeah, it shows a competition and very good faith on both sides, which is lovely to see. <laughs> Especially yeah. among siblings. Yes. That's very sweet. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think my brother and I were very able to engage in competition. It just resulted in upset for us both. So we kind of learned to shy away from elements of competition. And collaborated a lot more, which was cool. But I just loved the wholesomeness of, like, being able to compete in a way that just, like, totally in good faith, like you said, Amato. Ready to jump into the story itself? Uh, there's one more thing I wanted to say, I think, about the author. Just, like, the fact that it was her completion of the story that won her the thing. But I think she also spoke of that this was like became really important for her writing the story. Like she has some motivation in writing it. There was, she said a friend had moved away and it kind yeah, of a friend helped had moved her away. work through that. That was important because this story, this story is like very sweet in a lot of ways. And the reason I'm so surprised a 12 year old wrote it, we'll get to it, but it's very maturely emotionally caring. So the story uh, published, by the way, February 2005, and it's about 23,000 words. So by our standards, it's like the length that I probably should be assigning, but do not often enough in favor of much longer <laughs> This things. would be a good length, yeah. Yeah. My e-reader says it's about 73 pages. Mm -hmm. All right. And starts off, chapter one, too hot to smurf. I'm afraid the smurf joke titles do not continue throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Clearly the, a weakness of the story. Um, and basically it's really hot and like Papa Smurf has brought everyone down to the river to play and like they're doing volleyball. Um, it starts like having not seen a whole lot of Smurfs, like when the Smurf names start coming out, it's like hefty Smurf and this Smurf and that Smurf. I'm like, uh, I'm, I've lost track already, but most of them are not important for this story. But if you don't know what they do, you can just listen to their name. That's true. <laughs> Though <laughs> Harmony Smurf, apparently everyone hates their playing. Is this a thing in French Gel mm. Belgian comics? No, because yeah, they have it in uh, Asterix. Also with the bard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I smell a crossover. <laughs> Wait, does everyone hate their playing or Apparently. is it just that it's bad in the hot weather? The impression I got from this fanfic is just bad in the hot weather. I thought it was both. Um, yeah, that seems to be the joke. Um, calling an emergency meeting. Harmony says, uh, but I'll have to warn you, with all this heat and humidity, my playing won't be up to its usual standard. Yeah, I thought Harmony always it, played really well. It doesn't have to be Harmony, Papa Smurf said. 
we probably won't even notice the difference. Oh, is that because they're hot, not because Harvey yeah. is terrible? I, I thought so. Either way, they yeah. played awfully in this first in, chapter. In this, <laughs> but I, I definitely thought that was because they were fatigued from the heat. Uh, you have experience with the cartoon, so. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Harmony's Smurf always played really mm. well. Nope. Smurf's Wiki but... says Harmony is the worst musician there is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which means... Given that everybody's See, named after something, I guess everybody's just being real sarcastic to Harmony all the time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was going to say, because that just feels so wrong. I mean, it's been a long time. But, you know, I went back and I looked it up and I saw the pictures of, like, the sour notes coming out of the trumpet. Mm-hmm. And I totally remembered it was terrible. Yeah. But, yeah, that seems really bitchy for Smurfs. <laughs> I mean, Smurfs can be pretty jerky, I, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, they tend to punch Brainy a lot, too, even though, you know, True. it's usually when he's being a little jerk anyway. It, it's that kind of humor. They're not really that harmonious, so to speak. Anyway, they have fun down at the river. Yes. Um, some beach volleyball, I guess. Riverbank volleyball. Volley smurf. Vo- volley smurf. You're right. Yeah. You are technically correct. And they sometimes they lo- lose the volley smurf ball. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> But then what happens is a creature shows up and it's a creature that looks, what's the description here? It's like a little furball type thing. Mm -hmm. Its name is Mulk and it's wearing what are just glasses and like accidentally kind of runs into Brainy and everyone's kind of angry at each other. It's like, oh, you're, you're wasting my time. I'm trying to find Smurfs and they're like, we're Smurfs and maybe you shouldn't have been such a jackass to us, jackass. Yeah. They have a cartoonish like debate. Right. Yeah. Um, And... I've got to say, up through this chapter, everything felt very Smurfs comic story set up to me. Like, I could I could picture kind of the, the physical gags and, you know, the, the characters and kind of some of the shots where it's like, and I was expecting, obviously what happens is that Brainy and this creature Molk's glasses get switched, and you can, you can kind of buy that they, the reason why no one notices immediately Partially because they do notice pretty soon, and partially because Brainy just hit his head, and so he's like, oh, I can't see very well. I must yeah. still be recovering from the severe head trauma I just sustained. Yeah, and also they're identical glasses. Right, they look literally identical, which yes. is, uh, you know, it's that kind of conceit. Uh, it felt very Smurf story to me. Yeah, it's it's funny because, yeah, they switched their glasses, and it totally makes sense that they do, but what happens after, when they discover they're switched... Right. And they discover the real purpose of those glasses is, to me, the most, I don't know, simultaneously funny and ridiculous thing. It's pretty off the wall. Because I was expecting, it's like, oh, these glasses are special, clearly. Probably they're going to make him see certain things, or, like, mm-hmm. his, his intelligence is going to be captured in them. Like, something related to, like, vision or the braininess of Brainy Smurf or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're hypnotizing glasses, like something that would set off some kind of comedic, like you know, repercussions. No. Mm-hmm. But this guy, this creature, this shape-shifting energy being that looks kind of fuzzy right now, Mulk, is trying to find Papa Smurf. He finds Papa Smurf and explains the situation, which is that uh, in brief, they're from Krypton. Is that fair? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Alien planet. An alien planet that is going to. I think Krypton also gives an implication that Mulk is a super being, like Superman. Yeah, kinda. Leaps tall, tall buildings. Probably could. But they're weak and they're dying. 
So they're kind of the opposite of Superman. They're, they're energy. Mulka is an energy being, yeah. basically. And yes. photosynthesizes to sustain energy. I think E.T. is a better pull. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure how much we hear of it at this instant. But basically, Mulk and its brother slash entity that they split off from each other, whatever. Yeah. Well, like, we don't get that re- second part of the reveal. But Mulk in- indicates that there's a brother that is trying to kill the Smurfs and take their energy, basically. Yes, because as, and I don't think we learn about all that this instant, but mm. as we all know, Smurfs are full of magical proteins and carbohydrates that are, like, extremely filling. Everything a uh, glowing energy cloud needs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they spo- it's pretty canon. You know, that's why Gargamel wants them, is, like, they're extremely magical when consumed. (laughs) Which is, like, basically this is another villain almost exactly, like, with the same motivation as Gargamel. It's a little more detailed, because it's like their sun is doing weird things, and their energy beings rely on sun energy. It's a more understandable motivation. But they have a reason to, not just because it's powerful. Right. They were looking for an alternate energy source to, like, help their race survive. Mm-hmm. And somehow, through research or something, found out that, like, hey, the purest, best energy for this purpose is Smurf energy. Like, all the Smurfs you can get. Like, just pack all that energy in. And consuming those will, and sending it in a, like, beam back to our planet, that'll help. Mm-hmm. And that's true. It's not like they're mistaken about that. But... This guy, Mulk, opposed to the, like, genocide of a random alien race for the purposes of sustaining our own, whereas his brother was, like, fine with that because, you know, it's survival. Well, they're also framing it in that they've been searching for a long time. They've tried literally everything else they could think of, and during the entire journey, people back home are dying. Right. Mm -hmm. They're not, not just evil, but they are evil, but they're also trying to save a dying people. Yeah. There's a fair number of inadvertent casualties on multiple sides, actually. In this, yeah. Not inadvertent, uh, just like... Casual? Offhand, <laughs> offhand casualties, right. Yeah. On both sides, despite the kind of baseline caringness you were saying, Tori. But anyway, back to the glasses. <clears throat> this is a quote from Mulk. Nolk told me that the ultraviolet radiation from the sun here would burn out my eyes if I did wear these special glasses. He held out the glasses to Papa Smurf with two hands. Those glasses are, of course, Brainy's glasses because they got switched, yeah. right? And oh. Nolk is the brother right. of Mulk. Yes. That might be a little confusing to hear. But. He was wearing a similar pair himself. However, he had enchanted mind to make the wearer go back in time. I left my brother in the Earth year 2354. And if I don't get back before the solar eclipse in two days, that is two days from when I left, I'll have to wait four months before I can return to my home moon in Orion's belt. So he needs Papa Smurf's help. Papa Smurf being canonically a pretty impressive magic user Mm. a powerful wizard yes a powerful extremely small wizard so the glasses have nothing to do with vision they have nothing to do with intelligence or braininess they are time travel glasses which okay forceful time travel glasses right like you don't yeah maybe they're a cursed item yeah yeah maybe the weirdest the only like i guess i don't know a question that comes out of this because it's otherwise fairly straightforward. Mm -hmm. Why are they glasses? They don't serve any corrective purpose. Well, but but they were given to Nolk saying like, oh, these will help protect your eyes from the dangerous energies of the sun. Oh, yes. Which is also fair because they're very sensitive to solar energies. Yes. Like, it doesn't not make sense. It's just in the context of everything. It's just like... It's quite a bit. I, yeah. I was expecting a very different story from a story called Brainy's Glasses. And what yeah, I certainly. That's and all. the fact that the glasses look identical and it's made a note of... But then again, it's like, 
All right, that's pretty Smurfsy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Smurfy? Smurf, Smurfsy? And so they get through all of this, and Popsworth looks at them, and he's like, oh, these are corrective lenses. Where's Brainy? <laughs> and Brainy's still, like, trying to shake off the head injury. So they get back to Brainy just in time to shout at him, hey, take off those glasses, they will carry you back in time. <laughs> and to me, this is the funniest part, because Brainy doesn't just, like, take off the glasses. Like, at first he has a hard time hearing, but then he does hear, and he's still like, what? Brainy What's stripping on, Hefty? Aren't those yeah. Mulk's glasses? And you're like, no. No, these are my glasses. Like, <laughs> really? Does it have to take this long? Papa Smurf says you have to take them off at once or else you'll end up back in time. What? Brainy asked, incredulous. What are you smurfing about, Hefty? It's like, just take off the friggin' glasses. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, what's smurfing on, Papa Smurf? Um, he put on the first put on first one pair of glasses, then the other. I can't tell which pair of glasses is mine. Everything's still blurry. It's like... I also like how time travel makes the glasses heavier. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of Wait. course, he's fading away by the time he actually, like, tries to switch his own glasses, but... Right. Oh, it's so frustrating. But then again, the fact that it's frustrating means you're really invested in the, like, frustration of the character in this story, which I actually think is pretty well done. If you have the emotional reaction to Brainy of wanting to hit him, then I think that is accurate <laughs> Brainy portrayal. Right, it totally is. It's like, why don't you just listen to people around you? He's actually probably less hittable in most of the story than he is he at usually this is, particular yeah. point. Yeah, He's saying less snide superior things. No, he really doesn't do that much. He just... He does it a little, uh, but like... A little... But then he instantly gets knocked back. Anyway, we'll get to those things. Chapter three is totally different. It's called Smurf and Young Smurf. It was a bit of a random thing that suddenly seemed like the story just completely diverged into something else with no explanation. Actually, it was unexpected. Yeah. I didn't find it unexpected. Because, uh, unexpected. Unexpected. Um, because we're given this impression that someone is traveling back in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of felt like this would be the setting for the time travel that has occurred, which it does end up being. Yeah, and I, I got that. It was just that the story all of a sudden just diverged in its narrative from one thing to another thing. Yeah, because, like, it changes focus completely. I agree. In this chapter, I was expecting, okay, and then Brainy's going to show up, right? Yeah. And he's uh, not yes. for the whole chapter. And, and he didn't even for the whole chapter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, to me, the fact that I was able to lead into the next chapter and have that like occurrence come together. I felt like a scene setting, you know, like in a cartoon where you shift the scene and it's something else and you like, like a foreshadowing, like this character will pop into the scene, but let's set that scene first. And the fact that it was a whole chapter by itself without the uh, A plot getting into it was pretty interesting, I think. It, it was interesting. Yeah. Now, the... Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, no, I was going to say that I would have categorized these as scenes rather than chapters, because then yeah. it would have made an episode. You know what I'm saying? That's fair, given it's only 23,000 words. Yeah. It's not like it's yeah. a huge epic. I, I think it would make more sense if this wasn't a chapter rather just a scene. But I get why it's confusing if it's set as a chapter. I, I think we have to go with chapter unless we want to specifically storyboard this out into a show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just read like an episode of the show. Yeah. Today, so. That's more tone, though, I think, then. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this chapter slash scene slash whatever, Smurf and Young Smurf, we're back in time with young Papa Smurf, whose name is, of course, Smurf. Right. He lives in the area that the village will be in in the future. Mm -hmm. And he's attacked by a snake, and who saves him is an older Smurf uh, named... Smurf. Smurf, yes. So everyone's named Smurf. 
kind of liked this idea mm-hmm. that like these beings that like come into existence like fully formed by themselves and live by themselves just have like the knowledge of whatever it is they're doing and like I assume language also all from the same place and like the word for themselves is Smurf. Yeah. So I am Smurf. There's this is where a lot of the world building starts. For yeah. one thing. This older Smurf is who is going to be, what do you call it, Grandpa Smurf? Yeah. I do not remember him from the comics or the TV show in the slightest, but apparently he existed. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those questions of like, why is there one older Smurf (laughs) (laughs) that that is getting addressed here? And the other thing is, yeah, you were indicating, Dom, like they come into existence, apparently. It's kind of established. The Smurfs are just sort of scattered around the world, and they're usually pretty much loners. Yeah. And what's going to be kind of built up. Not usually pretty much, but... Always. There, there isn't a case of a Smurf living with another Smurf. Not living with another Smurf. Older Smurf here they does say, hey, Smurfs. one time I ran into a situation where a bunch of Smurfs gathered and were able to like use some good magic yeah. together. Yeah, which was Once. a one-time instance, not a child-rearing scenario. Right, right. And no, I, I get it. Yeah. that the younger Smurf, who is still like an adult, maybe in their 20s or 30s, according to human years, though older in their mm-hmm. own Smurf years, still has never encountered another Smurf, I think is how it goes in this situation. And older future Grandpa Smurf, older Smurf here, has, because he's an adventurer, he travels all over. Mm. And some of the world building here, apparently baby Smurf in the canon has, like, strong magical powers that do stuff when needed, you know, plot devicey. And so that's kind of how in this Smurfs are meant to operate. They're born randomly, and then they can just kind of smurf around because they've got these protective magics that, like, keep a snake from eating them until they're old enough to, like, kind of live on their own. Right. It's such a brilliant way to describe, like, how Smurf culture was. The author does a really good job of bringing everything together in terms of that as well. And we'll get to all the plot points, but it's like, oh, yeah, originally Smurfs were just born out of magic and were magically protecting themselves, and they... I love that they know language because even though the idea of like an individual language like English or Spanish or, you know, Japanese or Portuguese isn't born inherently to us, language is born inherently to humans. So the idea that a Smurf inherently has a language, yeah, okay, a specific language in this case, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of everything hanging together, I, I poked around on the Smurf wiki enough to see that the author was jettisoning some concepts that they hated. Yeah. In the email, they mentioned, ah, oh, that's friggin' stupid crystal or, like, something like that. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's, like, a crystal that, like, has to do with why they live so long. The Grandpa Smurf in the cartoon is on a quest for, like, elements to restore. In this, they just live a long time. Grandpa Smurf's, like, 500 years old at this point already. Yeah. And, like, he's going to be living another however many hundred into the present future, mm-hmm. right? And this, I think, Smurfs lived a thousand or so mm. maximum lifespan um and it's fair to just like if you're if you're deciding your canon don't do the parts you don't like right why not right um the the main thing here is that older smurf inspires younger papa smurf to go out into the world and explore younger papa smurf is very interested in other smurfs and the idea of like how they live and where they are and like and even at this point the inkling of like maybe getting a community together yeah Right. Yeah, because he's very home-oriented. And now, my other question is, are we supposed to recognize this as Papa Smurf at this point? I uh, think there's an indication that one of these Smurfs is Papa Smurf, but I wasn't sure which one it was supposed to be. I think they were color-coded. Uh, yeah, the golden beard and, like, yellow hood on... Yeah, Grandpa Smurf. On Grandpa uh, Smurf. Grandpa uh, Smurf has a 
yellow hat. The, oh, I missed the part about the yellow hat. Okay. Well, I, I remember that because the hat matched their beard color. <laughs> right. Which I thought, thought was a fun detail. Okay, yeah, I, I definitely missed the uh, yellow hat part. And I was thinking, well, the beard's going to change to yeah. white eventually. <laughs> and I think from that, you can assume that the other one would be Papa. Mm-hmm. Well, it, if it's not clear, it's clear the next chapter. It is. Um, yeah, it becomes or, clear very, relatively quickly. I guess chapter after that. Because chapter four is like back with the Smurf Village. And basically it's like, uh, we accidentally lost one of our Smurfs in time. We better go talk to the like manifestation entity of time who is over there in canon, which is Father Time. It's like someone they've interacted yeah. with yeah, before. Papa Smurf knows Mother Nature and Father Time. I know. I mean... Well, don't mess with Papa Smurf. <laughs> you know, look, the one story that I read earlier this week, mm-hmm. Papa Smurf, because the Smurfs in the village are being assholes to each other, he's like, ah, I know it'll teach him a lesson, goes to his grimoires, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I will summon a- another village of Smurfs over there that are the dark reflections of us and exhibit only our worst traits. They're not like illusions. They're not like, they're like physically over there present and they're like, he- it-, it doesn't like... It doesn't seem hard for him. He, he, he just does it. Does he make their souls, too? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, later on, he destroys them. Well, <laughs> Like, you, you know, using... He has to have the book to do that, because, like, yeah. he, he doesn't have it all memorized. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I did not remember Papa Smurf being such a wizard, but, like, uh, oh, he no. is. He is. He's, I remember him being, like... Now, you're making me think, like, Smurfs was, like, way more hardcore than I remember it being, because... I just remember it as, like, a kid's show that was fairly episodic, and I don't know, I never thought about going back to it. This helped me want to go back to it. But I do remember Papa Smurf being, like, I had this thought, like, why is he completely all-powerful and no one else can do anything? Like, everyone's bumbling around like friggin' babies, and Papa Smurf is just like, I have 18 million magic powers, (laughs) is what I remember from the Smurfs series. Seems accurate. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in this case, he's like, let's just go talk to the anthropomorphization of time and see what he can do for us. <laughs> now, it's really hard to track him down, but uh, my magic tells me that he's going to be right here at this point, so let's just go find him. Yeah, it sounds really hard to track down. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking at a map that tells him how long until Father Time appears. Right, and where, exactly. <laughs> Let me see that map. <laughs> he's just got that. He's just got that map. But it's really hard to find the map. You know, he, like, buried it and <laughs> oh, yeah. another it, map to find... No, I'm just kidding. It was just under all these other all-powerful mystic grimoires that he has lying around his house. His house is really messy. Uh, so that's what they're, they're doing in the in the, the present, quote-unquote. I'm just distracted with the idea of Papa Smurf holding the Necronomicon. Yeah, he's probably got it somewhere. Like the, like the evil dead. Yeah, but it's really hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> Gargamel... Must not be aware, or else you would have better reasons than consuming Smurfs to try to, like, find this village, right? I mean, you need a magnifying glass. Maybe it's just a wizard battle. <laughs> wizard battle. Yeah. 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 Sword of Stone style. How is Gargamel ever a threat? Well, he is, like, a hundred times taller than them. Yeah, but, like, Papa Smurf is, like, a hundred times more magical than him, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And probably knows the Grim Reaper on personal terms. <laughs> exactly. And Father Time, like... Sandman that's death crossover? Yeah, that's uh, Sand, that's Sandman Smurfs crossover? They mentioned Sandman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sandman's a friend of Papa That's Smurf. right. Yeah. You get sand from the Sandman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> and this is part of what's interesting, because, like, the, what happens is that, you know, Brainy Smurf is in the past, but he's not in the past we were just at. Past Papa Smurf is just getting back from a, like, 100-year, 300-year, like, travel around the world. He's been out for a while. He's just now coming back to his home. It was like a hundred years, wasn't it? Like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. 
he's been out for a bit. He's just coming back home. And, you know, Brainy doesn't know what's going on, even though he does see, like, this looks like the Smurf village area, but the village isn't here. And people told me I was back, I was going to go back in time. He's still kind of slow to be like, maybe I shouldn't be telling people about the future. And yeah. so he lets it slip pretty soon when he meets past Papa Smurf. It's like, yeah, I'm from this village. And like, Papa Smurf, Papa Smurf. And young Papa Smurf's like, who's Papa Smurf? Is it you from a village of Smurfs? Tell me more. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I guess maybe I shouldn't talk about it. It's very back to the future. Yeah. It's pretty smurfy. Just I should put it out there. Like, very smurfy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's the most appropriate adjective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, regardless of the fact that Brainy can't tell everything, young Papa Smurf is super interested in him and, you know, likes the company of other Smurfs and invites him in to, like, stay with him. Oh, by the way, there's this whole thing where old Grandpa Smurf gave younger Papa Smurf the Smurfberry seeds because he just found them somewhere. They're not like... He had stolen them from a witch on an island. Okay, fair. Yeah, he managed to escape barely with some seeds. She Mm -hmm. had the secret to the most delicious berries and was hoarding it. I mean, who knows what these berries actually do? (laughs) I mean, they just eat them, right? They just... Food? But they can't be their only food, otherwise they would have died before that. They also eat seeds. Mm. Oh. I guess they're the more delicious food. I think at some point in the comics they eat meat. uh, Sparingly. (laughs) Huh. Yeah. And butterfly meat? Like hot dogs, I think, or something. I don't know. (laughs) Made from butterflies. I don't know. It it depends on where the people making hot dogs came from. It's a comic. (laughs) They're also blue. Yeah, and? Are the hot dogs blue? It's all a chain of eating much, much smaller humanoids than yourself. Are you suggesting they're like. Gardenbell oh. eats the Smurfs, and there's, like, appropriately <laughs> smaller humanoids that they chase after. Oh, my God, that probably. makes so much sense. It's smaller humanoids all the way down. Hmm. Gotcha. No, that's probably not true. Speaking of eating, and speaking of the communication between here, we get a few good character moments. We were talking about Brainy being a little less punchable than perhaps he often is in canon, but he's describing how, like, oh, I wrote 400 different recipes for Smurf berries into a book, but no one is interested in reading it. I, I still can't understand it. I suppose some Smurfs are just too set in their ways to try something new, even if the new way is better. You mean your way, said Smurf. Young mm-hmm. Papa Smurf with a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> Brainy looked at him. That was a snap, by the way. That wasn't an audio problem. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brainy looked at him. So what's wrong with that? If my way's better, shouldn't they go with that? Smurf hit a smile. He felt he liked this young Smurf. He was a bit arrogant, but for all that, there was something likable about him. He had an innocent kind of openness about him, something Smurf had never encountered among the other Smurfs he had met on his travels. Um, Even the nicest of them had seemed a little brusque and impatient with his company. This young Smurf seemed grateful for it. And I don't know about company, but I understand the, like, innocence type thing, wherein it's definitely a character trait of Brainy's that he'll say what he thinks regardless, without any thinking about how other people are going to take it. I'm not sure that's a compliment, but it is a sort of innocent openness, right? It is in the sense that all of the Smurfs, like I was kind of trying to say before, have an innocence like they're children. Yeah. Except for Papa Smurf. <laughs> it's just funny in this fanfic because they're acting as adult actors in the world a lot of the time. Like Brainy is encountering other people like Smurf and old no old smurf and no wait smurf and young smurf as they call themselves which is actually grandpa smurf and papa Papa smurf Smurf, as younger people act very much as adults in the world brainy does not and it leads you to the question of are the smurfs growing up in papa smurf's village like just 
permanently like infantilized to the point where they can't but but they do like, work they have jobs they They're- do but they act as children like and brainy is often forgiven for his arrogance hmm. and so are the other smurfs for their various like titular vices as it were like nominal vices their names i feel like this is uh, the kind of thing we get also in shows that are successful at kind of drawing in a wide range of audiences like my little pony friendship is magic mm-hmm. where the characters occupy a similar space of on the one hand they're like adult professionals who have jobs and on the other hand half the time it's like very like child kind of interactions or problems or lessons Yes. And so, like, you can be, like, in charge of the weather or, like, a fashion designer by occupation, but also you can have, like, friendship problems at kind of a, you know, more middle school level or whatever. I think this is a kids' media thing. Yeah. Where you have to put yourself into the role of these characters, and the audience is kids. The kids want to watch kids that are grown up and doing more important things. So Mm -hmm. they act like kids, but they're sort of pseudo-adults for the audience. Well, Well, I respect... That, and, like, that's what made sense to me when I was that age as well, is, like, oh, well, you know, that makes sense. I don't think media does that as often anymore. Like, I feel like characters take on a lot more emotional responsibility. Mm, no. You haven't been watching uh, live-action children's shows in the past 10, or, 10 or 20 years or so. Okay, maybe not. But <laughs> in cartoons, at least, I've seen a lot of success in children's media that's really popular with the kids that I work with, like... Steven Universe, very emotionally responsible show, very popular. Yeah, these are more... Gravity Falls is also pretty good about that. Yeah, these are more produced shows, I think. These aren't, like, um, churning out media for children. A lot of that nowadays is more live-action stuff. Hmm. There's a lot of it of little kids being, like, super spies or in charge or, like head of a company or something and also being kids sure. there's also this dual child adult role i hear you i think they can do both of those but i just feel like in terms of producing children's media you could create a level of emotional responsibility like they could still have oh, yeah, childlike you, you totally, behaviors totally could and should yes being like <laughs> total dicks yeah like because yet yeah, kids make mistakes because they're learning how to be social beings that doesn't mean we should reinforce the idea that they they should be an archetype of a continued Social mistake, I suppose. Yeah, is where I, I'm I think we all, we all agree with yeah. that. But this isn't the. That's not the cartoon Smurfs was. No, this isn't it the, wasn't. And this that's isn't not the children's cartoons. media uh, conglomerate that Smash producing stuff does. Yeah, I guess my main point was that I feel like it happened more often in the 80s and 90s. This is Smurfs came out in like the late 80s that that was the case. It, but maybe I'm wrong. They've moved to different areas. Yeah. It's still there. Fair enough. So in this. Young Papa Smurf has a big info dump in the story. There's something I don't like about it and something I kind of love about it. What I don't like is that Papa Smurf summarizes the whole chapter that we read before with, like, you know, young Grandpa Smurf. It's like, we didn't need that. We just read it. But then when he's going into what he's been doing on this 300-year journey, Mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing because it reads like a summary of this whole other fantasy novel or possibly series of novels. He's like, oh, yeah, I went out to learn about the Smurfs, and the, I first met this Smurf who was only interested in, like, mining for jewels, but he showed, he told me there's this elf, Lysandra, and I went to her, and I studied magic and wrote down all this book, and, I, and she introduced me to these mythical beings, and I went exploring, and I met all these other kinds of fairies. I'm afraid I made a few enemies during this time, as well as many friends. And I'm just like... Where's this series? Yeah. Is this another story that you wrote? Because this sounds like... 
this sounds like I kind of want to be reading that story. The Adventures of Young Smurf? The Adventures of Young Smurf. Like, yeah. learning magic, mm. meeting other mystical creatures and divine beings. Like, it could be kind of episodic, chapter by chapter. I'm picturing Tar and Wanderer, except with Papa Smurf. <laughs> and more uh, magic use. Yeah. And they have some, like, built-in arcs in here already. I know. <laughs> and, you know, along the whole way... Oh, again, at the end, um, finally returned to Lysandra, and she did, like, a seeing... A, like, what do you call it? Like a augury. Clairvoyance? Sh- right, that showed that there would be a great danger to all that is Smurf and that he needed to return home for it. And that's the end of the book and it's going to be the cliffhanger and then you can, you know, go on to the Then goes into the, the main right. series. But yeah. Because, like, this would be the prequel series. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's just like there's a lot there. Yeah. Anyway, Brainy tells him the basic situation that he's kind of back in time accidentally. And um, young Grandpa Smurf shows up again as well. And it comes back by coincidence at the same time. And then something crashes into the forest, and they're going to go check it out. We also get Smurf population numbers, where apparently there's about 500 of them in the world at a given time. Or at least there were when Papa Smurf was learning about it. So sure, that seems fair. I mean, yeah, it's a worldwide population, but it is a species that are very small, elusive, uh, very hardy, and live a thousand years. So it makes sense for them to have a very low birth rate. Yeah. Or creation rate. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Coming. Well, what's that you call it when like people used to believe that flies just were spontaneously generated by like garbage? Um, what's the term? Spontaneous. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, if you had like garbage out, flies would kind of just come out of it. Well, yeah, because they would be and produce. Flies. Spontaneous generation was the theory. Mm. So yeah, you've got some kind of smurf spontaneous generation going on in forests or like whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they're all in forests. Oh, yeah. They, they are being created independently, we assume, of any sort of parentage. Or each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems yeah. like it's probably just a... If I take a random lore creation leap, just a concentration of magic in some forest. Yeah. And they're but, born knowing they have to protect their forest with magic. <laughs> I like that, though, because that's... You know, if we assume the author was 12 when they wrote this, it's like exactly where you'd want to come from with that it's like would you really want to think about like population and reproduction in that context you'd be like no they're just magical creatures and yeah they hang out like you said dom and hang out protect the forest i think that's perfect it's protecting the forest actually implied to be their job because no like like i said that first smurf that young papa smurf meets on his journey is just like into mining precious gems they mention it in the book that they have a general sense of being in their forest and protecting their forest okay that's fair yeah Yeah, and where i'm coming from is they're fairy like entities they're definitely fairies of right so i think that if you're coming you know from the perspective of being a young person you can you're probably intuiting a lot of their qualities from the fairy lore that exists also i don't think a single creature that's three apples high could strip mine a forest (laughs) (laughs) that's fair So, back in the present, they get to Father Time. We get some kind of the info dump about Nolk's ba- uh, Mulk, uh, Mulk and Nolk's background that, like, we kind of talked about before. Right. And uh, Father Time's like, oh, well, um, the good news is that this area you're in is kind of temporally shielded from, like, messing with the time stream. Mm-hmm. The bad news is that someone's messing around in the past and um, there's no more Smurfs anymore. <laughs> and you step out there, you'll cease to exist. Right, yeah. And no more Smurfs existing out there. Something happened in the past. And that's bad news. Mm-hmm. Now, he's telling this to the characters. It's what, uh, Papa Smurf and a few others got hefty, clumsy, and Smurfette. Yeah. Just the ones he chose to come with him on this mission. Because you always want a few more Smurfs to, like, soak hits and 
you know, get eaten yeah. by the monsters once they teleport off world. Exactly. <laughs> they don't have much of a presence in this. There wasn't much of a point because at this point, when they decide who to send back in time, they just send Pop Smurf. Because he's like, look, in the case of something going terribly wrong, I want a few Smurfs left. Mm-hmm. Which they ration out as this timeline will continue to exist no matter what. I don't know. I think they would have to like never leave this Mother Time's house where they're all meeting. They'd have to never leave the cave, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. The explanation is a little confusing, I think. Well, is that if all goes wrong, then some Smurfs will exist. Right. But, yeah, but I mean, wouldn't they just regenerate? Like, not, you know, not well, the individual Smurfs. No. But wouldn't some Smurfs still just, like, be created again later on? Apparently right. they, they hadn't in that span of time. Yeah, you, you're right, because something got messed up in the past and there were no more Smurfs. Yeah. So, okay, I'm theorizing Smurf spores uh, carried on the wind. Yeah. This is Anyone a question, right? Because the high atmosphere gets in the jet stream, goes to different areas, and lands in a spot with heavy magic concentration, then grows? Yes. I yeah. mean, probably if it lands in a spot with not enough magic, it would not grow. Exactly. And it would absorb the magic around, which is why you don't get Smurfs too close to each other. Yeah. Because they're competing for the same nutrients. Right. <laughs> like old growth. Sure, right now. <laughs> And I love, I'm sure the author of this will love our explanation of that, because they do a lot to explain... Um, Smurfs life but not necessarily how they are conceived <laughs> and well but yeah there's but there's nothing to explore there right they, they just come into being that's fine correct however you just identified the area to explore oh, oh, yeah, which is yeah. if there are no more Smurfs in the past does that mean there are no more Smurfs in the future and the author seems to imply that there wouldn't be yeah okay no yeah. you're right that is the plot point we were just discussing I guess yes <laughs> so in the past, the Smurfs in the, like, young grandpa and papa Smurf and Brainy. they like, something was crashing in the forest. They go over, they check it out. This genocidal brother energy being Nolk mm-hmm. has set up some kind of, like, what do you call it? Sacrificial pyramid in the forest? They've crystallized all of the Smurfs to absorb their energy, to replace the energy of their son. And they've stacked them in a pyramid, yes. They've been, like, traveling around the world collecting Smurfs. Yes. And then somehow they end up right back here near the site of the future Smurf village for well, no... Because there's a few more Smurfs to pick up. That's right. Yes. In fact, if you've got 499 Smurfs, they need one more. Yeah. Two more. Uh, Two. Is that right? They're going for like 501? No, I thought... It's 498, I think. Oh, 498, yeah. right. They need 500 exactly. So maybe there's a conservation of Smurfs. Maybe there's only 500 exactly. Maybe it's just how the numbers work out. I, I think they said they got all the Smurfs on the planet. So they, okay. there was only 500 Smurfs on oh. the planet at that time. So they knew how many Smurfs there were going to be and made their engineering designs yes. accordingly. Whatever. Okay. Uh, I'm not anyway. sure you can make a pyramid with 500 triangles. Uh, well, are you a, like, <laughs> 300 years in the future oh, genius so. energy being with, like, magic energy powers, Dom? Genius? Cause, no. Because maybe they... <laughs> My question is, too, why did they time travel back to a place where they're... where, like... They mentioned it before that they arrived at the 2300s, but mm-hmm. the collected force of all the Smurfs together was enough to repel the energy beams. So they had to go back to a time before they were organized. Uh, were there, are there fewer Smurfs in the present? Though? Not fewer, just not organized. They mentioned before that another oh, underlying theme organized. of this is okay. that Smurfs together are stronger than they are separate. Mm-hmm. Like talking about how the group of Smurfs in, Sm- in Gaul that came together to stop a some sort of hap- incident happening with their magic combined. Yeah, that little village of Smurfs in Gaul. I mean, those energy beings from 300 years in the future are crazy. 
I, I guess they're Roman energy beings for yeah. the future. <laughs> Somehow they keep holding out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this all results in an amazing Smurf origin story. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't have to do the blow-by-blow blow of the action. Well, and I'm just kind of distracted by Papa Smurf and the Druid being friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they gotta be friends. They gotta be friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably, you know, Papa Smurf deals in, like, magical goods occasionally. Like, well, he well, gets... one of the Smurf berries are part of the potion. <laughs> right, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, I think the magic flute from the first Smurf story was commissioned from someone, from a Papa Smurf by someone or other. Mm. Probably he is sending Smurf berries over and, like, getting some <laughs> kind of, like, other magical ingredients in exchange. Right. Probably storks carry them. Like, I believe it immediately. I believe it in canon. Like, sure. <laughs> why not? Anything's true in the Smurf. Head canon. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, they they try to like distract. This is Nolk. I, I I'm confusing the two. It's fine. Distract the energy being and like free the Smurfs. So. It doesn't really work. He grabs a few of them. What and you know young, not young, older Papa Smurf has come back in time to help out too. I think you go Papa Smurf and young Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf and young Papa Smurf. Yeah. Papa Smurf is back in time too, but he's really not that useful. I guess he's more of a ritual caster than like a fireball caster. Well, they mentioned that after coming back from their long uh, you know, pre-serialization journey that they had like a mountain of books with them that they wrote everything down in. Right. So they so they cast magic consulting their books and materials. Yeah, no, it, it all hangs together so well. The, the <laughs> attention to like canon detail here. What ends up happening is that like the brother comes back in time too and Brainy distract like the the, the evil, whatever, the, the genocidal brother, so, has started the energy absorption already. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, baby Smurfs in there, there's older Smurfs in there, there's all these Smurfs in there, right? And the energy is being sent back in a beam mm-hmm. to their home planet in the, in the future. Or something. Which is a moon orbiting a gas giant. Right. Mm-hmm. And for one thing, we get this thing where it's like, ah, the, this absorption's already started, some of the older Smurfs are probably not going to make it. And they don't. They die. Yeah. Like, some Smurfs get, get consumed for their magical energy in this story, which is something that usually Smurfs avoid having happen to them in the Smurfs canon. Yeah, then they get Smurfed. They have this, yeah. Very true. This 12-year-old definitely decided that some Smurfs are going to die in this story. And they did. Which is pretty reasonable, I think. Yeah. The draining vitality, and there's the old and the sick, and they might just not make it. Yeah. yeah. And and there's a bunch of babies, and for some reason the babies, I think, are more powerful because no, yeah, they... Yeah, it's not for some reason. It's pretty well established. Yeah, yeah. actually, what I was going to say is that it's not for some reason. You're right. <laughs> it's that the babies have extra magical powers to protect them yeah. once they are born into the wild with no protection. So they just got a bigger stock before. of magical energy, which yeah. is also Smurf life essence. I think it's right. also kind of implying through Papa Smurf's uh, research that they actually have the same amount of magic just babies have more control over it and you forget about it forget about it as you mature was that an implication i didn't i didn't catch that's that part. i picked it up there's well, papa learned how to reconnect with their magic and that's how they became their the cashier yeah so as smurf as he's called before we realize he's or before he's established as papa smurf is able to like harness magic to like for instance remove the bristles of his beard periodically i love that and, that sounds great yeah like the or young smurf an older Smurf who's just called Smurf, which actually is Grandpa Smurf. So Grandpa Smurf. <laughs> Back up. All right, Grandpa Smurf isn't able to remove the bristles of his beard as Papa Smurf is as a young he, Smurf. He's also not a... He hasn't studied magic. It's fine. Like. Exactly. But the point is, is that all the young baby Smurfs have an inherent magical sense that protects them. So that you kind of get the impression that they move away from magic 
mm-hmm. as they become older unless they make the attempt to reconnect with it. It's kind of like the ability to like break down lactose. I also mentioned <laughs> just like that. Real yeah. life. I also mentioned um, combat casting, but actually, young Smurf does cast a mystic shield at one point. It's just that he's fighting an energy being who absorbs it. Absorbs magic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a barrier made out of magic, and yeah, it, it just ate it. <laughs> in the end, in this, it had been established that like the sun was is not the kind of energy that they can absorb well, and so Brainy uses his glasses to deflect sun energy into the beam of smurf energy. I think concentrate. 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 Like frying ants or something. Yeah. Uh, Basically just to trick the brother, at least temporarily, to thinking that the energy is tainted and will not be of use. Or at the very least, stuff it full of bad energy. Right. And it ends up working at the very least to distract him enough so that his brother can re-merge with him into a single energy being... Mnolk. Nulk. Nulk. They smush the names together. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's Mulk cute. and Nulk, and it turns into Mnulk. Because it's alternating the letters, it's like M-N-O-O-L-L-K-K. But they only kept two O's. Well, it's only, there should only be two O's. Wasn't there two O's in uh, both their names? Nope, no. it's N-O-L-K and M-O-L-K. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's what happens. And then there's a lot of, you know, what do you call it? Falling action after yeah. that now the the point that i'm actually still confused on is apparently Manuk, mm-hmm. the singular entity that's the merging of the brothers who appear apparently were originally part of the same entity the brother was the only way mole could describe their relationship nonetheless they did find the energy to restore their planet but i'm not sure how they once they kind of come up with a better idea yeah the, the use of the sun energy and like kind of modifying the energy through a lens is like tells him like oh actually if we make a really big lens and like bounce mm. it off our moon or something that'll like keep us going no, until if, the sun if we concentrate itself. it on our moon concentrate it on our moon as opposed to just dispersing it throughout space right using a big lens that'll keep us going long enough until the sun is back to normal strange yeah. because they seemed so much smarter and more advanced and had magic time travel glasses it's I'd be strange okay. they hadn't thought of this before I'd be okay chalking that up to aliens think differently than people yeah. sure yeah. yeah smurf people so among, and then, at this point, I was like, oh, at first I was like, oh, it's called Brainy's Glasses because they're the time travel object. Then I was like, oh, it's called Brainy's Glasses because, um, you know, they're the key to fixing this plan at the end. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of this fanfic, it's like, oh, it's called Brainy's Glasses for a third reason because it's the origin story of Brainy's Glasses. Which is so, <laughs> actually, this is the part where I was like, how could this be written by someone so young? Because there's such infinite, like, parental love that is present in this part of the fanfic of course young smurf being papa smurf well they have the pyramid of all the smurfs oh yes and the pyramid gets destroyed and all the smurfs go free and all the adult smurfs that didn't die right (laughs) just all fuck off back to where they came from. they're like screw that we're back to wherever we live and they're left with a hundred or so young smurfs with that had some of their magic drained which means they can't protect themselves but any longer with their natural defenses right like baby smurf can in the canon right Yes. Um, they can't do that because they've had a bunch of their magic drained away. So we've got these hundred baby Smurfs, and obviously, 
Papa Smurf from the future is like, hey, you take care of them, young me, because but, that's what happened in my past. Even better than that, he's like, well, if someone could do something about this, I don't know. Maybe Someone who know. is interested in being a social, doing a social experiment. Like maybe they're all li- live together or something. I don't know. Maybe. Somewhere around here because yeah. we don't want to carry them far. He yeah, like, looks knowingly at young Papa Smurf. And then Papa Smurf's <laughs> yes. like, I want to do that. <laughs> well, because he was established as a character no, who yeah, always kind of wanted to be homey and wanted to form community, but never could. So here's his opportunity, and of course he's going to take it. Now, like, I get that. However, a hundred babies. That's a lot of babies. These babies still poop. It is canon. Like, t- Taylor Smurf or whoever has to, like, make diapers for him. Like, you got to feed him a hundred babies yeah. and how long does it take them to get out of babyhood let me ask you given their like life cycle span yeah and the implication is that they are lacking almost all their magic abilities to defend themselves so now they have to all be defended by a single smurf that like, that's quite a lot like has like anyone ever raised a hundred babies <laughs> yeah a hundred babies for a hundred years that's it's as many lot. as ten tens anyway that's terrible yeah it's a smurf origin story <laughs> right and also, the Smurf at the top of the pyramid, the baby Smurf, their vision was damaged by the light from the whole, like, magic sunbeam plan, yeah. whatever. They were blinded by the light, yeah. Right, they were blinded by the light. And they asked the combined energy being, can you fix this baby's eyesight? And they're like, no, but I can make him a pair of glasses. <laughs> yep. And so the young baby was brainy, and the glasses are the glasses, which would um, not fit a baby, so I don't get it. Well, I don't get it. Magic? No, um, the glasses were actually made from the first young Smurf, Papa Smurf, whatever, had to go on a quest to to gather the sand from Father, or not from Father Time, from uh, the Sandman, the Sandman's sand. And upon returning, that was forged by the alien Minulk into the glasses. Now, there's, there's two things I have a problem with. One is... Like the size of the glasses, but the other is the fact that part of them are metal. Where did the metal come from? But also, the, uh, also the, like that whole side adventure took like a, a page or something. Yeah, uh, whatever. But my favorite thing yeah. about that side adventure but, is that after deciding, like, yes, I will raise these hundred babies. Yes, young Papa Smurf is like, uh, but I need to go get the sand first. So, um, older Smurf, you take care of these babies for, for the <laughs> yeah. first like week. Like I haven't even really met him yet, but you take care of them first. Right. He just totally foists it off. I do think that establishes Grandpa Smurf's relationship with the Smurf babies. And I also think it establishes why the glasses might be able to adapt with the growing Smurf. Because Mm. they are forged from the Sandman's sand and from alien magic. The Smurfiest of glasses. Well, It also implies that the time travel glasses and range glasses look exactly the same because they were made by the exact same being. Correct. Mm. So there's a lot of good explanation in that scene. And... In the midst of this, Brainy's been having a little journey where he's learned a little bit of humility mm-hmm. because he's like, oh, I always thought I knew better than other people. But in the moment of like having to save this thing, I just realized I just happened to have these glasses. And that's the only reason that like, <laughs> like it's not that I was better or smarter or braver than other people. It's just like I happened to have what on hand what I needed for the situation yeah. through sheer chance. Generally and so humility. like it's a little bit of humility in that I in that character, I guess. So they subscribe to a uh, Terminator style of time travel. Right. Everything happened. It's a little weird that at no point was future 
um, Papa Smurf like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> and Salmian and Alight. And this sounds familiar. Some elements of this sound familiar. Some but of this sounds like the origin for my raison d'etre for the past hundred years. Actually, <laughs> this sort of seems like Papa Smurf understands the purpose the whole time, but it's kind of held um, close to the chest. Mm. Like, sounds Papa like Papa Smurf, Smurf, I didn't really see that happen. Papa Smurf was confused about the glasses mix-up right at the beginning. Correct. And told told Granny, told uh, Brainy not to put the glasses on. Correct. <laughs> However, I think that as Papa Smurf traveled back in time, and admittedly, this has been several hundred years for Papa Smurf, um, I think that though it's not the best explanation, I do think that he kind of, I don't know, regained a sense of like control as he traveled back in time. It was like he understood more and more what exactly was happening. I got the impression that Papa Smurf understood what was going on by the time it was wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my yeah. impression too, but that, not like yeah. early enough for it to be helpful. I, don't, I didn't no. get any reasoning for that. Though. No, no, I agree <laughs> yeah. with that. But... Regardless of those nitpicks, it's pretty right. impressive for someone to take the situation of like a hot, you know, a village full of Smurfs all about the same age with one older person and one grandpa and one baby mm-hmm. who shows up by Stork and like figure out a way for that to make sense in a reasonable life cycle of little magical fairy beings. Is this yeah. just random thought? Is the Stork a metaphor for the uh, upper air currents of the atmosphere that drive the spores <laughs> to different areas? <laughs> Uh, they're probably some associated fungal fairy creature that are born for that purpose of, you know, bringing the the new baby to it. I'm basically just making them into Warhammer 40k orcs. Good, good, That yes. is how Smurfs operate now Smurfs, in my head. Smurfs need more DACA, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always carry some Smurf weapons on you in case a Smurf is nearby, then the weapons will start working again properly. They all wear red caps because they want to go faster. Well, only the, the leader does. Oh, wait, what's everybody else's caps? They're white. Oh, they're white. Yeah. Oh, okay. So only the leader gets the, the red cap. <laughs> That's it also faster. fair, right? Yeah. And then, you know, there's so many little subplots. Like, even the decision to grow facial hair is, like, wrapped up at the end, kind of inspired by Grandpa Smurf, who had who had facial hair in the past. They were like, so yes. busy going on that quest for those kids that they forgot to shave, but they liked it anyways. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing, though, about the facial hair, though, is that Grandpa Smurf was an inspiration for the facial hair, but that was because he didn't know how to magic away his own facial hair. Because apparently young Smurf, Papa Smurf, had a much better grasp on magic than his older Smurf counterpart. Yeah. And I, I think it was because he'd studied it. Yeah, he studied it with the elf. Who mentioned right, the right, that's right. Yeah. For like a couple however, hundred years. <laughs> however, the question is, it's like... I know we addressed that, like, magic wanes in them over time. However, the fact, the mere fact that they study it brings back the magic to the point that they can be, like, way more powerful than the baby Smurfs ever would have been, right? Sure. That's a quick question of if Papa Smurf has access to studying this magic mm-hmm. and all the other Smurfs theoretically have access to studying this magic, why is he the only one oh. who is the powerful wizard? Uh, well, then you get into some uncomfortable social and yeah. political questions in the Smurf village, I think. Anyway, that, I think that was my curiosity. I think I point to all the other Smurfs acting like kids and not wanting to learn. Perhaps, he does yeah. have an assistant, and so maybe mm. it's just a real long-term well, thing. Well, Brainy is his assistant. Brainy is his assistant sometimes, but doesn't have another assistant? Also, they spent like 300 years studying or something. Right, so it like might just be studying. that they're still at the wax-on, mm. wax-off stage of magical learning, right. like in this stage of their life. Yeah, but then the other question comes, 
could the Smurfs who lost their magic at a young age, like these Smurfs oh, did, yeah, that's still a, build you know up what? their magic power? I, that I'd would like also that, yeah. be a good reason for them not to be right. badass mages. But that's also where I'm at with this. this also means, though, if Gargamel ever actually ate a Smurf, you'd be very disappointed. Mm-hmm. And everybody except for um, Grandpa Smurf, Smurf and, and Papa Smurf. Smurf. Yeah. But okay, it, Grandpa Smurf, Papa Smurf, and Baby Smurf. Baby Smurf was in the thing, which is why they're blind in the first place. No, that's Brainy Smurf. Oh, oh, ba- oh, the, the, the baby, baby Smurf in the present yeah, is then, like actual, a genuine, like, yeah, full of magic baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, so my point was <laughs> basically that, like, the Smurfs' magic potential wanes over time. But if the Smurfs had their magic absorbed from them in the very beginning, mm-hmm. could, like, if they couldn't develop the magic, and it's exactly that question of Gargamel, it's like, are the Smurfs magical or not? Have they lost all their magic? Like, Tori, it's, it's such a good question. <laughs> I think the only way to resolve this is for you to write a lengthy Smurf fanfic addressing it. And in fact, it will be a fanfic of this fanfic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to do that because I'll be too busy writing the uh, young adventures of uh, Papa Smurf. <laughs> I will be too busy looking forward to reading them. <laughs> and critiquing them in about 15, 20 years. Speaking of critiquing, <laughs> we end our podcast by complaining about some things and then praising some things. What do we want to complain about in this story? Um, the only problem I had with it was the cartoony nature of the story, but I, I don't really see that as a complaint exactly. It's a very... Smurf is a very cartoony uh, thing, <laughs> and it seemed... A cartoony story really fit in tone. I, the whole thing was in tone. Yeah, I I was going to complain in that sense about it not being funny enough, but actually the stakes are often pretty high in a Smurf story. Having read a few of them, yeah, like it's actually a lot about kind of the uh, action might not be the right word, but like the drama of the situations. I thought the uh, design of the alien was very arbitrary, but I don't care enough to call that a complaint. Yeah, my main complaint. Um, Knowing this was written by such a young person actually lessens a lot of the height of this complaint. Um, to me, I mean, I guess I'll lead with the praise. Praise, correct praise is what I always believe in as, you know, a teaching adult. But I'll lead with the praise that it was very Smurf-like. Mm-hmm. However, that does lead to the criticism that the alien Manuk doesn't actually make a lot of sense in the sense that they separated from each other as the same entity. However, towards, like, in one of the very last paragraphs, Manulk is speaking and says, Nulk admits that Mulk was correct. No one species is more deserving of life than another. Well, there's supposed to be alien. There's some kind of, like, separate minds within a fused mind thing going on. Steven Universe story. Excuse me, Amato. (laughs) I was speaking. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go on. Sorry. No. I'm not trouble teacher. Seriously. So where I was going with that is um, the idea of the fusion of these aliens is actually a really creative idea. However, I would have liked a lot better if that had been written in complexity rather than the idea that, like, they're literally a split personality when they fuse back together. Mm. Like, if they had been able to speak in one voice, because I love the idea that you can have competing ideologies exist within the same consciousness. However, the fact that once they merged back together, they still had two identities made it seem like they were never one person to begin with. You wanted a bit more Star Trek in this. Well, I just wanted them to be one entity like the story said that they were, <laughs> rather than being like, 
so by the way, we're in one body now, but I'm still talking to myself as two different people. I, I think that's a fine complaint about the character. I think if the story had focused on it a bit more, it would have been very um, out of tone, out of pace with the story. Mm-hmm. I, I think they yeah. paid as much attention to the alien as they needed to, and more would have been a bit much. No, I agree with that. I just also think that with that last bit of characterization um, of the alien still speaking within itself in two voices, they could have done without that and it would have been more cohesive without needing to explain why that was the case, I suppose. I, I think that would no, be... I, I do accept yeah. the Amato explanation as a viable reality. I think that'd be more of a complaint if it wasn't like one or two lines of dialogue. Yeah, we're not really supposed to care, I guess. <laughs> Again, you asked me to seek a complaint, and I have found one. Oh, sure. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, um, we we do the complaints first so that we can end on praise instead of ending exactly. on being like, eh, what about um, that thing? <laughs> but I, for me, I think there's a lot of info. You know, with the world building and with the, like, plot hole resolution, there's a lot of info dumping. And sometimes it doesn't read well. Mm. And so, for example... That whole part with just, like, young Papa Smurf talking to Brainy, there's some interesting stuff in there. It goes on too long. And part of it is, like I said, just, like, a repetition of stuff we've already seen. Some information we get more than once in ways that, like, is not necessary. And I get it from, like, a perspective of kind of wanting to lay out all of the admittedly kind of clever, small interlocking ideas that are being introduced here. But, like, I feel like those were the weakest parts when reading were the parts where the exposition goes on too long or is redundant. Hmm. I think in a heavier piece that, 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 yeah, that, 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 that would be a problem. I think this was light enough where I was able to not pay attention to that so much. Did it seem like an issue? Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up though, because I'm still like, there are points where I wish there'd been a little more explanation and exposition. Um, I, I guess it's just a matter of the story being so complicated in some ways that like, it's hard to address in a good flow. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, I mentioned to y'all before that my praise is incredibly well-paced the story is, despite it being written by such a young author. But it is a good point to bring up that there are areas where I feel like exposition explanation could have serviced the story, and there are areas where it was, I think, yeah, a little too much, as, as you said, Amano. Well, let's move on to praise. You were talking about the pacing in general. And I agree, I, I often have to complain about pacing, and like I indicated earlier, just the fact that this is such a story-shaped story that has a story and is a story, <laughs> and like that sounds like a dumb thing to praise, but I feel like I've complained about pacing several times in stories where it's just like it doesn't have an arc that reads well, Yeah, and that was not a problem for this one, which is, like you said, really impressive considering they were probably about 12 when they wrote it. And I remember writing much, much worse paced things at much older ages when I tried to dabble in, you know, narrative storytelling. Yeah, I always thought pacing was the hardest thing, but this author really nails it to me. It really gives the impression of, like, a full cartoon episode. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think if you plotted it out directly, it wouldn't be exactly the same, but reading it gave you that impression. It Mm -hmm. wouldn't be too far. No, it wouldn't be that far off. Maybe, like, a two-episode special. Yeah, yeah. 
Nonetheless, you move through the narrative reading it like very fluidly. There, there's no real big hangups that yeah. you get stuck on. Mm-hmm. Points where the story slows down in an unreasonable point or speeds up in a way that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It just moves. With me, with the points where it did slow down with the talking, I was interested enough where it didn't seem like a burden. Yeah, and it, it was never noticeable enough to me to affect the pace. Yeah, it's just very very well constructed (laughs) and then of course i'm a continuity nerd and even with a a like fandom or franchise i'm not that familiar with it makes me smile to see the geeky attention to detail and addressing of things like this well in my mind now this is the smurf continuity (laughs) like i I, I don't have any better ideas i read the smurf wiki i was like nope that's wrong I mean, no, they, they don't need a crystal to live that long. They just live that no, long. No, yeah, they're spores. They they don't need that much to live. <laughs> it does definitely make sense, and I love the fact that it opened us all up to think of new ideas for Smurf continuity as well, because <laughs> it's really unexplored territory. To me, I always look at this as this kids' cartoon that I've disregarded a lot in my adult life because I was so young when I first saw it I assumed the continuity like in the world wouldn't make sense the fact that the author went to such lengths to make it make sense is awesome because now I kind of love Smurfs because I'm like oh parts of it make sense okay (laughs) like I can build a world out of this in my mind like and this is a very well-built world that they've come to. It's really good explanation of their whole lives. Yeah, I'm just imagining uh, infecting different uh, planetoids with a uh, with a Smurf spores on high atmosphere, just watching the whole world get taken over at some point. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure that's exactly what the author intended. Yeah, <laughs> for us to think of Smurf spores, of course. I think it is kind of what they intended because they were trying to um, create and flesh out continuity, and they talked about how they like to. Uh, see a show and pick it apart and try to figure out how it works. So I think this sort of discussion is exactly what they'd be shooting for. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I am glancing at the author's fanfiction.net site. Mm -hmm. Once again, it's Rowena Zanre. You can find, well, you can find the link to the story. We're going to leave it at bit.ly slash RFR glasses. And from there, you can just, you know, go to the author. They were active writing a whole bunch of fanfiction up through about 2015. We've got 91 stories on fanfiction.net. I see Darkwing Duck, I see Star Trek Superman crossovers, I see all kinds of stuff. I see Excalibur fanfiction, so I know what I'm doing, <laughs> like, for the next while. Uh, including Excalibur fanfiction released, like, the year before this. This is, of course, Marvel's Excalibur. Which is- oh, I thought you were talking about that one uh, cartoon where they had the Knights of the Round Table and they transformed it into uh, a Sentai team. That's uh, <laughs> Mystic Knights of Tiernanog. N- no, no that, that wasn't a cartoon. Too, too literal, I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I'm also thinking about that now. Thanks. Yeah, that would also good. <laughs> I would also oh, be yeah. missing Nights of Tiernan Nog. Man, have you watched that show recently? No, I, I haven't. It's so bad. <laughs> I remember so it bad. being bad, actually. I remember mm. loving it. <laughs> well, look, I, I liked Power Rangers, yeah. you know, at that time, and Power Rangers was not good. Oh, but no. Power Rangers is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> I understand why you want to say that. I do. It's incredible, Amato. And I, if I, you contradict me, I'll punch you. I think I want you to think it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I think I had more of an affection for Power Rangers. It was very long standing, it was a tradition. Power Rangers is a, it's a tradition, you know? Now, could uh, Smurfs be a monster that the Power Rangers could fight, you know, a spore 
base monster that takes over your areas? I, I think uh, they have been, actually. I remember that episode. And then they combine to a giant Smurf and they fight it with the No, Megazord. I literally... I, I just have a visual of the Smurfs in a cartoon form running around the live-action Power Rangers Didn't set. that fanfiction you read have a plant-based, spore-based monster that they killed? Um, yeah, the oh, Terror Blossom. Oh terror God. Blossom, yeah. yeah. The Smurf Blossom. I also noticed... The Terror Smurf? I also noticed, glancing at the these, terror these fanfics, blossom. the... The author's favorite X-Man is clearly Nightcrawler, so I'm... I'm just happy for you that you found more Nightcrawler stuff. I'm, oh, man. Yeah. Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler's my favorite, Nightcrawler's too. Nightcrawler's my favorite. Uh, I think we might be reading some Nightcrawler-based fan fiction sooner rather than later. That's happy. I don't think I have a favorite X-Men. I, have, so. I think my favorite X-Men is not Cyclops. That's a good oh, choice. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Not Cyclops has all the best qualities of an X-Man character. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is Nightcrawler a Smurf? Um, Bamps are definitely Smurfs, but okay. those are like the little, like fuzzy Nightcrawlers from like alternate dimensions, or sometimes sure. demons, or you know, whatever. Whatever Smurf appeared everywhere that Nightcrawler uh, teleported. Yeah. <laughs> also, a solid premise for a fanfic. And then there's mm-hmm. just beings from the other dimension that seeped in. <laughs> My premise they all is smell that... like farts all the time because Brimstone <laughs> Dimension. Right. Yeah. My premise is that all Smurfs are the vampires in, like, a Buffy crossover, and Buffy is just, like, a Smurf slayer. Mm. That's terrifying to consider, like, Smurfs attacking it, because they're only, like, what, a few inches tall or something? Yeah. If they all got together and they got yeah, 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 that'd be terrifying. You hear it. You know you know it. I think we're getting off topic a little bit. The topic being... <laughs> really? We've finished this episode, actually. Oh, okay. Yes. So once again... This was episode 48 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Brainy's Glasses by Rowena Zanre, a um, Smurfs fanfic from the age of like going into middle school. You can find it on fanfiction.net. Uh, we have a hot link there at bit.ly slash rfrglasses. Next episode, we may be doing an X-Files story. Oh. Perhaps even an award-winning X-Files story. More details as they develop. I like a story about award-winning X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> X-Files probably won some awards. Oh. I prefer it a lot more than the non-award-winning X-Files. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Much better. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. And like the Smurfs, that... Musician is French. <laughs> well, the Smurfs are Belgian. Oh, I was yeah, close. No. Mm. Depends like, on who you're talking to. But. Back up. <laughs> so, like the Smurfs, mm-hmm. the musician is French or Belgian. Uh, can't uh, argue against that. Uh, but, nope. Uh, Completely uh, accurate. You, can't. You, can find, <laughs> you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. You can say primary language is French. <laughs> I could have. I yes. could have said that. Or Belgian. Maybe a little German. bit less racist. <laughs> I don't know. Like the Smurfs, the musicians' primary language is French or Belgian. Or German. Anyway, questions or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, send us email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com, leave comments or reviews or what have you, and we are still leading into our one-year anniversary episode where I'm hoping to have some various things to talk about from listeners, so I'm especially opening the door at this point to suggestions about what you want us to be reviewing. That can be specific fanfics, 
that are ideally older than about 2006. And uh, the shorter they are, the more likely we'll actually get to them. But I still want to hear people's suggestions regardless, as well as your own fanfic experiences, especially from the past, or comments you have about the show and what you enjoy from us and what has fallen flat. Like, should we just drop everyone except me? Do we just want to hear the sound of my voice? <laughs> I assume that's what people tune in to listen to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that feedback. I'm yeah. Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take Smurf. Smurf off. <laughs> Smurf on. Smurf off. <laughs> Smurf on. Yeah. Imagine all that blue over there. That's how you get that nice shine. Motto. I'm Tori Smurf. I'm Dom. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just do Tori Smurf. Yes, I can. I mean, you can. It's not good, though. But you, you Is can. Tori That's an adjective? <laughs> yes. What does the adjective Tori mean? Um, extremely well-behaved. Okay. That's fair. Tori yeah. Smurf. A very good dog. <laughs>